Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Macabre Matinee with Craig and Sean. I believe this is episode 23, if I can add correctly <laughs> and if I've been keeping track correctly along the way. We can only hope. Exactly. <laughs> As per usual, I am Craig Lance. And I'm Sean, bearded capolitan. And this is the part of the show where we give you a fun little spoiler warning. We're going to ta- be talking about Fear Street Part 1, 1994. Uh, if you haven't seen this yet, it's on Netflix. You can pause our episode, go watch the movie, come back and uh, hear our take on the movie. We'll give a synopsis and then we'll give you our thoughts on it. Yes, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as I said, we're going to talk about Fear Street Part 1, 1994. It was released this year on Netflix, so in 2021, for those of you listening in the future. <laughs> it, it was adapted from an R.L. Stein uh, series of books called the Fear Street Books, and uh, written the script by Kyle Killen and Phil uh die sure <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> and um it's directed by lee janiak uh stars kiana kiana madeira as dina olivia scott welch as sam benjamin flores jr as josh julia rewald as kate and fred hetchinger as simon so uh the story goes as such, as the title says, this takes place in 1994, and we know this not only by the fairly decent soundtrack, but by the fact that there is still a bookstore in the mall. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, Heather, who works at the bookstore, uh, is there late closing up one night. Um, the mall's closed, and apparently... There's only like a handful, like a janitor and her and her buddy Ryan and a couple of random people that work around that are still there. She's talking to Ryan about getting to go home and wanting to uh, walk with him. And he says, okay, I'll be back in a minute. He leaves. He comes back dressed as Ghostface Killer. I mean, um, <laughs> Skull Mask. <laughs> and... Uh, kills her, uh, stalks her for quite a bit, chases her through the mall a little bit, and seems very reminiscent of Scream, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, yeah, and as he finishes killing her, the police enter the mall and kill Ryan. So, the next day at school, the kids resp- respond mostly by laughing and joking about the killings, <laughs> and blaming it on the legend of the Shady Side witch, Sarah Fear. That night, their football team is scheduled to take on the neighboring city's Sunnyvale uh, football team. They are, I should say, they are from Shadyside. <laughs> so, you know, Shadyside being the, the lesser uh, financially stable area, right. and Sunnyvale being the uh, kind of upper class area of the surrounding areas. And so at this candlelight vigil, a fight breaks out when uh, Sunnyvale uh, kids decide to start shit-talking the Shadyside kids. Um, And in the background, we find out that Dina's ex-girlfriend, Sam, is now dating one of the guys from Sunnyvale's football team. So on the way home, in the bus from the football game that got canceled because of the brawl, 
The Sunnyvale kids, uh, including Sam and her new boyfriend, chase down the Shadyside uh, bus, throwing, I, I thought it was Motov cocktails at first, but it <laughs> never really matured into that. It ended up just being like beer bottles, I think. Yeah, I think that's all it really was. But like, yeah, you at this point, as aggressive as they were, I would have been surprised <laughs> they were trying to light them on fire. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I kept expecting, you know, one of them to be lit on fire or something. And... <laughs> You know, they're just generally being annoying. So Dina decides to pour the unused port strength that is totally not Gatorade (laughs) out on the car, pursuing and harassing them from behind. And when she opens the emergency exit in the back of the bus, her nose starts to bleed and she drops the cooler onto the car, causing it to crash. Uh, Peter and Sam uh, survive the crash, but are pretty beat up. So... Dina gets the bus to stop. Dina, Kate, and Simon check on the car. Sam and Peter emerge from the wreckage. Sam, however, is bleeding pretty badly and bleeds on Sam and into the ground in front of her. Coincidentally enough, it is the unmarked grave of Sarah Fear because, you know, that's how things work in horror movies. (laughs) And unknowingly, she awakens the witch's consciousness and then she throws up some blood onto Simon. So now, uh, time for a little history in the shady side. <laughs> Ever since uh, Sarah Fear was killed in 1666, every 10 to 13 years or so, it's not, it doesn't seem to be a real, like, straightforward every 12 years on the dot type thing. A new serial killer emerges in this town, uh, killing quite a few people before being taken down. So the kids, uh, being Dina, Sam, Josh, Kate, and Simon, eventually find them su- the, excuse me, find themselves pursued by the past killers, including Skull Mask, who you might remember from just a minute ago, that got killed at the mall in the opening of the movie. Ruby Lane, the girl from the '60s who killed her boyfriend, and others with a straight edge razor while singing an old timey song because nothing's creepier than old timey songs. <laughs> true. So as, <laughs> as well as the camp Nightwing killer, who is definitely not Jason Voorhees. <laughs> no, totally not. Totally not Jason Voorhees at all. <laughs> um, the kids soon discover that the killers are only after Sam uh, because they need her fi- her blood to finish awakening the witch. They've been chasing the other kids because, as I said, Dina had some blood on her shoe and simon never changes his shirt which has uh (laughs) sam's blood on it um so soon the kids uh hatch a couple of scooby-doo plans to kill the killers eventually ending in the deaths of simon and kate as you as soon as you believe it is over sarah fear reaches out from beyond the grave turning sam into her next apparent killer end of this episode now i left quite a bit out of in there um i didn't break down every little step they went along the way uh yeah so this movie i guess first and foremost let's get it out of the way that this is very much directed towards teenagers and young adults uh as you can probably tell based on the fact that it's written by rl stein right but that is not to say that this is just for them no no not at all this, uh, yeah. being that is R.L. Stein, most famous for uh, the Goosebumps series, which is definitely like preteen, uh, tween, you know, horror. 
uh, you know, not going to say like, I guess child friendly because it aired on like Nickelodeon. I think it had its own like TV series. But it could, did, yeah. This was definitely made for the, the kids that read those growing up that are now adults. Yeah. Because yeah, I still think it yeah, had so, a, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say somewhere, you know, a little bit younger than you probably. Right. But um, as far as who it was targeted to, but this movie has such a lot of creepy moments in it and stuff right. that. Um, and plenty of killing and blood in it that makes you, uh, um, you know, it, it's it's for everyone, but it is a, I would say a little bit toned down, maybe. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, like it's certainly like it's violent and it's bloody, and I mean they and they established right. that in the opening, uh, which right because you know, again, like a uh, little behind the scenes, we had talked about doing this review, but both of us were like, well, you know, it's R.L. Stein. Is it really going to be you know this kind of horror that we normally kind of review? And I said I'd check it out and let you know, and within the first. That opening sequence, I messaged you going, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, yeah, because I, I went in expecting, not knowing really, you know, because even if it's R-rated, it doesn't mean they're going to go, you know, strong R, you know what I mean? And right. This one, I, right. Think, I think it hit the notes. Like I said, a very, a very good opening sequence. And uh, this one being now, you know, because as we've gotten older, you know, I think the 80s nostalgia is kind of slowing down, and now we're hitting 90s because kids that grew up in the 90s yeah. are now in their are in their thirties. <laughs> right. Uh, as a, like I'm a child of the eighties, but I was a teenager of the nineties and this was bringing right. back horrible memories <laughs> for me <laughs> because, because you know, you'll watch an eighties, like a, a modern show set in the eighties and it's what they stereotypically think of the eighties, you know, the bright colors, the right. neon, like, you know, the kind of the tropes. Right. Of it. And although some do capture the, the real feel of how the eighties actually were, they usually are kind of more of that angle. This, I think it hit right. the 90s, like, damn near perfect. Like, you know, like I the, feel like it as well. Yeah. yeah. For, for, I remember being, you know, a junior high in high school through the 90s. Like, this, like, I mean, legitimately, the school scenes were giving me uh, PTSD flashbacks <laughs> of, uh, of my school <laughs> life. And not to get, not to dwell on that. Yeah, so like, the old... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say the only thing that they kind of missed on, which is really typical in movies, is that the the songs that they use for the soundtrack yeah. kind of come out all over the place in the 90s and some of them after 1994. Yeah, yeah but, for sure. you know, that happens a lot in these kinds of uh, movies. So, I, you know, don't hold that against it. No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm it, but there was enough, this, you know, songs. Anyway, I said, yeah, they weren't really necessarily worrying about what came out in 1994 before, but it still hit right. good. Like it was a, to me, it was a very good soundtrack. I, I really enjoyed that part. Uh, right. Little shout out to the, uh, I, f- I forgot her name already, but, uh, the opening death, uh, the girl working at the mall, the book. Oh, store. Heather, Heather. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was uh, Maya Hawk, uh, Ethan Hawk's daughter. Yeah. Who's a stranger things alum. Yeah, yeah. So we got a little uh, bit, which I think there's going to be other cameos from Stranger Things actors as well throughout this trilogy. So I think that's kind of like, you know, Netflix making their own nod to themselves <laughs> in a way. <laughs> well, that's okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, if you if you have a kid actor that can pull it off, may as well reuse them. Oh, for sure. Like I said, I totally yeah. wasn't negative, but I actually liked that because, like, you know, me and my wife were watching yeah. this, and she noted who she was before even I realized it. And yeah. Like, so that's very cool. Uh, nice little, uh, little, little tip that I caught, uh, uh, uh Josh is, uh, playing a, uh, Castlevania game 
And again, like yeah. where they, you would think like, you know, again, what I, I think that the production team wanted these, did very good on nice little details because of that time, it could easily have been the, the standard Castlevania 4 for the Super Nintendo, which is probably the most popular one, you know, for that era. But they actually right. went with Castlevania Bloodlines from the Sega Genesis. Oh, which, okay. Which is a much lesser known Castlevania game. I, I was saying like the general, you know, knowledge of it. So I was like, I was okay. I was like, that's that's nice. That's that's a good little, you know, little thing. They didn't go with what could have been the easy Castlevania game to be like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there were there were some like you know, quite a few of those cool little moments in this, like the nostalgia moments, I would oh, say. Oh, for sure. Which, you know, is yeah. key to a period piece like this, especially these days, you know, when they're with the right. 80s and 90s now. And, yeah, I think I think they had a good uh, had good pacing, good, nice and violent. I liked the characters. Like, overall, I definitely enjoyed this film. And there's, like, a lot of, like, little things out that I think really enhanced it. But uh, my biggest question is, does that vending machine trick work? I don't know. What was the numbers he pressed? Because I'm going to have to go back and... I need to screenshot yeah. that. <laughs> was it up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right? <laughs> Lord, I hope you, so, and I love that. Do too. you know that that's what he was mumbling when he saw uh, Kate? Oh, Josh yeah. was mumbling that when he saw Kate to distract himself. From, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. His, his, his yeah. nervous tick was the Konami code, so it could get his dirty lives in contra. <laughs> which again another nice little detail that's by giving him that kind of a a quirk about himself which i really enjoyed that too and his uh god flashbacks to uh not just like no we have facebook messenger groups and whatnot but uh josh Uh, being in that that aol chat (laughs) aol aol uh, group uh chat yep (laughs) i thought that was uh Again, it was Which, hitting home on a lot of things. <laughs> well, this thing set up a lot of things that are going to be hit in the later yeah. movies. I know they're going back at words in time in these, but mm-hmm. there's tie-ins that are going to be hit into this movie. That, um, For instance, the police uh, chief, or I guess he was the chief or whatever, he dropped a note off at somebody's house that said it started again. Right. Um that I'm sure will be addressed. Uh, who he is talking to in the chat room, I'm sure will be addressed. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, this movie intentionally so has a scream vibe. So they did they did that intentionally. Uh, and it, but it's all the best parts of Scream. Like think the first half of Scream where it was legit creepy and scary right right before the kids you know revealed that they were just idiots and started stabbing each other and stuff <laughs> you went too deep man i think i died <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but if you go to the the first half specifically right. um there's a scene with dina that at the beginning of shortly after the bus crash mm-hmm. that really makes you think of the Drew Barrymore scene. Right. In the beginning of uh screen. Oh no. And that was uh, from what I understood about some of the notes on this was that that was intentional. It was uh, almost shot like, you know, shot for shot uh, to kind of replicate a lot of the key sequences of that Drew Barrymore opening. Uh, again, throwing back to the, uh, the nineties tributes that were a part of this. And I think it did it effectively because it didn't come across like uh, pandering or cheap knockoff or anything like that. Like it, it truly felt like an homage. 
It, it was. I mean, it, that's the way I felt to you. Is it? it but it, again, it, it somehow homaged this stuff. Uh, whether it was the the Jason killer, right. um, the skull mask guy, the the Ruby Lane gal, it it affect. But they were also creepy. Oh yes, they were. That it that it worked really well and. And the way that the the Jason and I don't know did they name the Jason Knight Killer? Uh, it's called the Nightwing Killer. Okay, so the Nightwing Killer, um, the way he moves, how fast he runs at the at the kids yeah. when he's coming at them, just very very well done in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, some of you may not know, but Sean and I are also comic book aficionados. <laughs> a little bit. A little uh, bit. And uh, there was a comic book that came out a few years ago that really um, kind of mimics this. And I wonder if it didn't borrow or crib a little bit or if it's just coincidental. Yeah. But that was the comic book called Nailbiter that had a small, uh, it's a small town in Oregon um, that produces an unusual number of serial killers. Oh. Uh, like every few years, you know, like every 10, 12 years, a new serial killer shows up in this town, um, you know, for reasons that aren't related to a witch. Right. Uh, I'm not going to go into that comic book series, but very much a similar vibe. Right. Um, but again, a completely different story, just as Scream's a different story. It's got enough in there to go, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, this is... Yeah, and again, there's only so many ideas out there, you know. So, right, no, uh, that's that's very cool though. And uh, with the whole like, like I said the, um, yeah, the the henchman gimmick with the witch, which you know, it, like, yeah, not not gonna say that it's like wholly original, but I really actually liked how they did that. Uh, with it being, oh, I agree, like a legacy curse that just keeps returning. And the, kicking off that whole explanation, or at least even before they explained it, but just kicking off showing that, okay, this isn't just a town full of people who just eventually go crazy. Because, like, with Ryan, you know, at first, you know, before you found out he was a guy, you know, killing her in the mall and stuff, you know, you know he looked like he was kind of maybe a little off. He was, I mean, he worked at Spencer's back when it had adult sections. So, I mean, you know, yeah. he was already living a, a very dirty life. But then the reveal that he was still alive was... Right. Hit hit perfect for me because I was like, okay, well, you know, we're just going to be dealing with, you know, serial killers. You know, there'll be someone else who lost their mind and wanted to stay. Like, oh, oh no. Oh no, shit's deep. Shit's a lot deeper than we thought it was going <laughs> to Yeah. And it, and it goes back to this witch that left a curse on the town, um, which I think we find out in part three uh, based on the fact that it's 1666. Yeah. It'll definitely, we'll, we'll see that fully play out. Like they get into it in this movie. But I think we're going to see it fully play out as well as right. the second one. I feel like is going to definitely be more about the Nightwing Killer because this shows like it's straight up camp, you know, a like camp story. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll be getting into the more and, and I'm Ruby not Lane mad hopefully about too. The second one was that? Yeah, I am not mad about oh, getting no. to watch that second one. Oh, I can't wait for that one as well. Yeah. Now I'll tell you this though: like I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm enjoying it. Uh, Dina's uh, actress, I think, is especially doing a great job carrying this film. And yeah, I'm, exactly. And also, I'm enjoying all the kids, which is rare. Even, even uh, I forget his name, but like the goofy one, you know, the one who uh, 
everyone Simon. Got, yeah, everyone got lucky that night. He he got lucky by himself, and he was okay with it. Yeah, <laughs> like it was, yeah. you know, it was. They're all entertaining, but like, I'm going through this movie. I'm like, man, one of these kids needs to die for some stakes to kind of get raised, right? They're <laughs> all doing fine, and then they right. hit them all. and oh the bread slicer and then oh the uh you know like him going like and then they then those two finally died i'm like oh they really built it up because i was attached to these characters so it was really well done but it was was because the first of the movie i hated the characters right but by the end of the movie i loved them all right and i didn't want them to die <laughs> which is so different than a typical horror movie usually oh, yeah. by the end of the horror movie you're like just kill them already please <laughs> exactly you know? and for me yeah. it, like it was before i really you know they grew as characters but i was like man if what these kids get bumped off because right now this feels too safe you know the they're, they're, the scooby gang is perfectly fine you know and i was like oh, <laughs> i don't really like that that all of a sudden they off two of them almost back to back i'm like oh i like them now no yeah <laughs> so yeah fucking brilliantly done with that yeah you can you can tell this is written by a master of horror yeah. that rl stein is known to be right um and speaking of which i don't know if you noticed or caught this but the uh, book that heather sells at the beginning of the movie right is actually uh, the fifth book in the series for the Fear Street novels. Oh, okay. And the entire set was on the on the shelf when she was walking in there. So, right. Um, so you know that was kind of cool. And, and it's there's a funny call out to that, knowing that it's actually the fifth one because the mom that's buying it for her kid is like, yeah, it's complete trash, but my daughter wants it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't catch that part, actually, but uh, I did uh, see in the, the notes I was taking, uh, I was looking up stuff on it, that the uh, the other books that are throughout there that they kind of show, they linger on for a second, is like, yeah. uh, oh, of course I didn't write it down, but it, it's the name, like Robert something, whatever, like what the RL stands Lawrence. for. Yeah, Robert Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, like the other books are just written by Robert Lawrence in that bookstore, too. So, you know, you got... That's more shout outs to him as well, which is, you no, know, it's awesome. Those little details. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, plenty of tension in this movie, and it starts instantly, very much the way the Scream movie starts. Um, now, well, okay. So, Scream starts immediately right. with the phone call. This one takes about five minutes to get going. Right. But, man, once it gets going, it oh, yeah. doesn't really let up until the end of the movie. Oh, no, no, yeah, for sure. And, uh, again, well-paced. I want to say it was close to two hours, if not maybe a little over, but it went it went fast. Like, you know, like I said, you, you, you're quickly invested with Dina and Sam, and, but then the rest of the Scooby gang grows on you, and yeah, you're you're inter- you're enjoying their uh, you know their interactions, and you know oh poor Josh, you know he just <laughs> that dude just wants to make friends, and he's super awkward. He has his up up down down code. We all can appreciate that kind of mindset, and then yeah, he just well like I said, seeing what they suffer through, and again like you like you brought up earlier. In a horror movie, the care about the teenagers that says that, that yeah. speaks highly on the writing. I agree. I absolutely agree. And as typically happens in these horror movies that are based around teenagers, yeah. uh, you, there's no real adults involved anywhere in these kids' lives. And somehow they have access to every aspect of the town at any point that they need it. Right. 
including driving around in an ambulance for most of the movie and no one's coming to look for him. Uh, I mean, outside of Josh, I would just call that white privilege. (laughs) (laughs) You know, those small sleepy towns, but I think Josh is literally the only one. I'm sure there were others, but. Dina is a person of color also. Oh, true. She's just, yeah, she's just a lighter. I mean, it's a sister, but she's just a like uh, lighter colored. But yeah, yeah, that makes um, sense. I guess I wasn't thinking too deep on that end. I, I honestly just thought maybe he was adopted. I wasn't paying that hard <laughs> attention. You know, you're absolutely right, though. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so yeah, not a whole, not yeah, you know. I mean, and those things are part of any movie that's based around teenagers. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can go back to E.T. even in the kids. You know, I mean, they got one mom in their life that's <laughs> kind of around. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about just Elliot and his brother and sister, the whole group of kids. Right, right. You know, it's just the, you know, if you're going to create a teenage adventure, whether it's a science fiction or if it's Goonies-style fantasy or a horror movie, you kind of have to have the kids not have the help of the adults to get it to be a legit a teenage thing, right? Right. So... Um, you know, so you have to take the liberties that have to be taken to make that happen. And, uh, you know, it, it worked it, this movie works on a lot of levels. Um, yeah, it, you know, don't be fooled by, by who wrote it, uh, as far as, oh, it's not going to be mature enough for me. It's definitely going to be mature enough for you. Does it have a little bit of a CW feel? Yeah, it has a little bit of a CW feel. But not so much so that you're going, eh, I can't do, do this, you know? Right. And, and if you are, that's more on you than the production of the movie. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Like, you can tell the origin has come from someone who's used to writing for a younger audience, meaning they can't, it goes more in tension and scary stuff over blood gore and nudity and that concept that a lot of other horror films fall back to. You know, to make I'm okay horror. with that. Absolutely. I think the tension is what allows those other things to work, and I think a lot of modern horror has forgotten that. Right. You know, if you if you're not uh, if you're not producing the 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 tension and the suspense, the rest of it's just there for the sake of being there. No, absolutely. Well said, sir. Because yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, like as much as you know, we are obviously big fans of the slasher genre. You know, we we reviewed Friday and Nightmare first. Uh, yeah, like it's it is sad to say that there is often times where we're like, well, you know, what's a well? I, I've heard people say like, you know, oh, I'm just not scared anymore. When's the last time a horror movie scared you? And like that's rare. And granted, as you get older, it's harder to do that. But you can still adapt that to saying, you know, when's the last time you felt the tension? The, you know, the the, the yeah. fear and like on edge of your seat. Uh, and yeah. that is sadly far, few and far between in more and more of these modern, because, and it was from the rise of the slasher genre. So yeah, with this one having, it still had plenty of blood when, when, when people died, they died good, you know, and, right. uh, but in between there, we had good characterization, good tension and, you know, even some good jump scares. My wife, my wife jumped and that was better. Yeah. Than, and she didn't jump once during the conjuring. So that's a, our part four or the new, the newest uh, conjuring, which that, that's a whole other video at a different time. So yeah. So yeah, I say so high marks for all that. I, I, I agree. Jump, jump screams get kind of a bad, 
you know, take. They get kind of a bad nod to them or whatever. The reality is, is that most of them aren't earned in current right. movies. They were earned in this movie. Absolutely. And, you know, again, being the, the horror people we are, it takes a lot to scare us in a movie. But I can certainly appreciate the tension and the and the suspense built up. Oh, yeah. You know, and that that's what, to me, immerses me into that movie. If it's not there, I'm not there. But, uh, I, you know, so many things are done so well in this movie. Oh. It's really hard to to nitpick anything about it so no absolutely and like i said the, the one of the, the the prime examples from this film is uh as you mentioned earlier with uh was it ruby lane uh the, yes yeah just like for her just to be singing the song and like slowly slashing at that dude you know when she got on top <laughs> was there was more tension and fear there than what if we have seen if she like gutted him you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was creepy. That was horrific. I couldn't imagine just somebody just sitting on top of me, singing and just slashing at me with a straight razor. That's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. So yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of filmmaker horror filmmakers could take uh, to should to be taking some notes. And uh, what we've seen off this one, I can't wait to get to the other two. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check out some more work done by uh, Lee Janiak, the director on this, oh, because yeah. if she directed this this well. Um, I want to check out some of her other work for sure. So yeah, that just leaves a couple of, uh, things left. Um, you know, uh, first would be, I didn't keep a kill count. It wasn't a whole large kill count. I mean, there were a lot of background killers, uh, people killed. I'm going to say there's probably four or five people throughout the entire movie that you saw die on screen. Right. Um, so, uh, having said that, Sean, what was your horror moment of the movie? Right. Uh, my horror moment, and because we evolved this little, this section of our reviews from just straight kills, uh, yeah. I, I know what I would pick if we were just going with the kill. And uh, right. it may be your pick, so I won't say it until you say yours and we'll get back to it. Uh, my horror okay. moment was that was the opening, the mall sequence. That absolutely the exactly tone. the same same okay. yeah because i was gonna say then uh if it was just straight going back to our old school of just what, kill it was definitely the bread slicer yeah <laughs> oh yeah the bread slicer was amazing but since but we, uh yeah. like you said it sets the tone it builds the tension that is there for the rest of the movie um uh, and it's done right there at the beginning absolutely. and it yeah, even though it's an homage to to Scream, uh, it, it still is. It, it draws you in so quickly that you're just sucked into this movie. Right. To the point, my, my wife wasn't home when I'd started watching this, and she came back, and she was uh, trying to have a conversation with me, and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to finish watching my movie. You know, I didn't say that, <laughs> but right. I wanted to say that <laughs> because I, I was drawn into it at that point. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we are in agreement then on that because that was a hell of an opening. <laughs> yeah, it really was. So okay, that just leaves our rating. We both have talked this movie up quite a bit, so I'm interested to hear what you have uh, graded this thing. Well, I had a very particular note here. Uh, <laughs> well, right off the bat, I had it at four stars. Um, after talking with it and kind of going back over it again, I think I'm bumping it up to four and a half. But for oh, well. 
but for my own personal reasons, but and I'm not going to make it official because it's nothing to do with the, the quality of the film. I personally give it five stars for not using fucking Nirvana in the soundtrack at all in a nineties film. <laughs> <laughs> so for my own rating, it's a five star cause I didn't use Nirvana, but I give it four and a half for everything it did. I as well gave it a four and a half and actually the same exact thing. I had had four written down, but, uh, as we've talked about it, my ratings went up. Absolutely. So, uh, as per usual, Sean and I are pretty much in agreement on this movie. Um, there will be one at some point where I'm going to rate it really low and he's going to rate it really high and you're going to see us fight and scream or vice versa. Which I know is what um, y'all are waiting on. Trust me, we'll get yeah. to the Leprechaun movies eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they, uh, you know... That that's about tells you what you need to know on this. We weren't really going to get into another series, but this one dropped on Netflix and we decided to, to jump in there and do it. So our next two episodes will be following up the next two movies in this series. Right. Uh, it's not often that you get an entire trilogy of horror movies dropped at once. Right. So like as you know, of this recording, to, I think the third one comes out tomorrow. So like, yeah, we'll yeah. Have, they're, they're all out there. You don't have to, Unless you want to wait for our thoughts. But yeah, you should definitely check them all out and then tune into these all of our episodes so you can hear You should go watch them. Exactly. Yeah. You should go watch them so you don't have to pause our episode and go <laughs> watch them. You can just watch them and then listen straight through and hear what we have to say. That's so. right. All right. So I think that's it. Right, I think that's going to do it. If y'all enjoyed us talking about these movies, as always, like, comment, subscribe, share. You know the drill by now. Thank each and every one of you for tuning in. And if you are listening to this and you are in the central Arkansas area, we are going to be set up at not just another Comic-Con on the 23rd of July. So, okay, if you're in this, if you're in, can get to the Sherwood area or look close enough, come check it out, man. Meet us in person, get some business cards, maybe get a drawing from me. And have a good time yeah, at Horicon. Yeah, it's a pretty decent Horicon that happens up here, and uh, you should definitely come check it out if you're in the area. All right. All right. And that's going to do it. We'll catch y'all next All time. All right. See you later. <laughs>